Welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and this podcast is your guide to start creating a lifestyle by design. From entrepreneurship, money and finance, taxes and residencies, and everything in between, this show highlights the nuances of a true global citizen lifestyle. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. And in today's episode, I sit down with Austin and Monica. They are experienced digital nomads who have built successful online businesses while exploring the world full time. With a combined 17 years plus of nomading in 10 plus countries, they have gained valuable insight into building and scaling online ventures. They are certified life purpose coaches and they help other travel lovers create purpose, and build their business dreams. This was such an interesting episode. There are so many relatable points as they're speaking. Whether you're starting your nomad journey or you are a seasoned nomad on the road, this is definitely a relatable episode for you. Not only do we dive into the entrepreneurial aspect of being a digital nomad and global citizen, but also the more personal aspect and what that will look like in the future for them. So let's dive right in. Austin and Monica, welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm so excited to dive into all things digital nomad today. But before we get into it, I would love to hear from both of you. I actually think this is the first time I have had a couple or two people on the show at once. So the first, it's going to be fun. So I'd love to hear, I guess, both of your individual stories or maybe if they converge at some point, what that looks like for you growing up, maybe why you felt the need to be called to become nomadic, what that journey has looked like for you and how you got to where you are today. Thanks for having us on, first of all. And I'm going to actually let Monica start because this whole thing starts with Monica. She's the initiator of our whole digital nomad endeavors. So it's funny because we were just talking about that this morning. I had always wanted to travel. Like I, I grew up watching like little clips on TV or like looking up on YouTube, like, what is it like life like in Africa, you know, or what is life like? I was just really curious. And I never really had the opportunity to leave the country um, until after I graduated high school. And then I went, um, I moved to Peru for a year and a half. I was there serving a mission um, for my church. So it's kind of, it wasn't exactly solo travel, but I was um, basically alone for the first time, never left the country before. And it was the most awe-inspiring experience And I remember my first night in Lima and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm at home. I finally feel like this is more like what I'm supposed to be doing. So fast forward, then I go to school and I didn't really know what to study. So I just went into international studies. I was just so fascinated by culture and by people and and just the world. Like the world is such a cool place. And I was so excited to learn about it. And that's where I met Austin. We started dating and eventually got married. And then from there, we actually joined the Peace Corps right out of school because we were not ready to go into more schooling and then just like the traditional office job. So we joined the Peace Corps. We were super excited to take a two year gap and just to just love on the people in Mozambique. And we were so excited to go. But two weeks before we were supposed to go was when COVID shut everything down, like came to a screaming halt. We had everything in suitcases. We had sold everything. We had gotten rid of our housing contract. Everything was ready to go. And then all of a sudden we were scrambling to find a place to live. And of course we thought, you know, okay, two weeks, a month, we can do that, you know. So we moved in with Austin's parents 
who were super nice to take us in for what ended up being a really, really long time. And we got kind of dead end jobs and it kind of got to the point where I was like, I literally like my my gypsy soul was suffocating. I literally couldn't do it anymore. And so I went to Austin and I was like, we need we need something else like we need to be able to travel. We need to be able to go. And so that's where kind of our online journey starts. I have a very similar story of a different journey, but similar to how I wanted. I never truly felt aligned with my home country. I'm from Canada. And I still can't put my finger on it. And maybe you feel the same of why I never truly felt at home in Canada. But when I'm in, you know, we just got to Chile the other day and I feel so much more at home and the culture here and the people like I don't even speak Spanish that well. And (laughs) it just it feels so much more aligned with me. And I, I truly, you know, six years later, I still don't know exactly what it is, but I love that you have something similar to that. And I think that's very relatable because a lot of people who are nomadic and who do want to leave their home country and explore the world for an extended period of time don't feel aligned. So I appreciate you sharing that and what that looks like for you. So then let's move into the next part of your story where you are like, okay, we're going to travel. What happened after that? You know, of course you have to make money, but what did that journey look like for you to get to where you are today as online entrepreneurs? I don't know if we really knew what it was going to look like. So this is the point when Monica came to me, I guess a little bit of context. I'm a lot less like naturally nomadic than Monica is than a lot of um, other travelers are. I never grew up traveling. In fact, my family, I learned, I went to the same beach for like four decades. Like my family stays in one place. Um, Like generations (laughs) of people stayed in the same place, went to the same beach, went to the same beach house. They're yeah, sorry, very... not for not for yeah. decades, for generations. Yeah. My family doesn't travel very much. I got bit by the travel bug right after high school. But I'm naturally a lot more like content, kind of sitting in one spot a little bit longer. I really rocked his world. <laughs> she did. She and so she comes to me, and she she knew that I like this is right after we the whole thing with the Peace Corps went down. We weren't really sure what we were gonna do. We're like. Are we going to go get jobs somewhere? Are we going to go back to school? Are we just going to live with my parents? For, are we stuck with my parents forever? And she created a secret Pinterest board where she started like saving all of these things about traveling, about classes that you can take online to start making money. And she like prepared this presentation for me and laid it yeah. out. And, and so we ended up joining a, a virtual assistant class, like how to become a virtual assistant. And it was a very broad scope, like, Here's all of the skills and like we got our feet wet and lots of different things to kind of give us an idea of what we could do. But we didn't really know what was possible as far as what's what you can do to make money online. We thought it was being a virtual assistant, being super techie or some you know, Instagram influencer. And we didn't really know that there were other things beyond those. And so we started with virtual assistants and we did that for about a year, maybe. And again, it was kind of basic, you know, generic, um, here's how to do lots of different stuff. Um, And we were happier doing that than we were with the jobs that we had in California with my, with my parents, but it's still like, it was, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. And we realized that there's something better for us than what we were doing, but it still wasn't exactly what we wanted because we ended up just working in other people's businesses and being aids to them, which is, I mean, that's exactly, exactly what a virtual assistant does. But for us, we wanted something where we were building something of our own and not just aids for other people. We wanted to create something that we had started that, you know, we could change and adapt as we saw fit that we invited people into. And so 
we shifted from virtual assistants to web design. We did that for a while. And then eventually we realized we wanted to do, we wanted to, to be that kind of guide for people to help others figure out what's possible for them, which led to our final shift more towards Jink. Um, so we kind of dabbled in several things and we've explored lots of different options and seen lots of different things of what's available. I love that story. And I love that you felt so passionate about this lifestyle and the lifestyle that you were living, that you wanted others to experience that as well. And you knew that you had the tools to guide them through that because I feel the exact same way. You know, I, I, I always say, and I'm sure you guys will completely agree with this. You live a life that you are aligned with. I believe, especially, you know, coming from Canada and Western culture, we are taught so much to live inside of a box. And we all know what that box is. And I love that you broke out of that mold and I broke out of that mold. But I find a lot of people who are still in the Western culture go through the motions of buying the house and getting the mortgage and getting married and the 2.5 kids and the dog. And I get so passionate about it because. I truly believe, and yes, there are people who that's what they want and that's the dream. And that's amazing. If that is your dream and you're living that life and you're passionate about it, I am so happy for that. I believe that mm -hmm. there are still people in that lifestyle who don't realize there are other options and are just going through those motions. And I was so close to doing that. And I'm sure you both were at some point too. So what, what kind of made you think, and maybe it was, maybe it was you, Monica, who was like, there's something else out there, but what made you think to break out of that mold. Oh my gosh. Everything you said was just a big yes, 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 yes. The whole time you were talking. And I really think what happens is we have these, you know, this life plan set out for us and we go check the boxes and we graduate high school and then we go to college and then we, you know, get a job and then we get a house. And by the time we're like in our mid thirties or forties, we're all of a sudden like, wait a second, like who chose this life for me? I don't know. How did I even get here? And you don't even like stop to think about it because you're just taught to put your head down and work and just go, right? And so I think the biggest benefit to this lifestyle is just the intentionality behind it. You get to constantly choose where you're going to be, when you're going to move, what you're going to do for work. I don't know. I just love the intentionality behind it. So I think for us breaking out of that box, definitely the, I think COVID was a really big thing for us. I definitely like was always scared to to work in an office. I had had a job since I was 14 years old and I hated working for other people. I hated being told what to do. So I always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit in me that I wanted to create something, but I kind of figured it'd be, you know, down the road, maybe, you know, after going getting your master's degree or whatever it ended up looking like. COVID really like shook us up though. All of a sudden, like everything we had planned for was just gone. And we were back in Austin's um, parents' house where he like, we were in the room that he grew up like sleeping in, going to high school in and stuff. It was kind of weird. Um, and it, we were there for a long time and we got jobs and they were good jobs, but they were hard jobs. We worked in healthcare. So it was really, really hard. And there was a lot of abuse of healthcare workers during COVID. Um, and so for me, it was just this need to take back control of my life because everything had spun out of control for me, right? Like all of my plans were gone. Um, I was, you know, like working this job that I didn't really like and I was doing it forever. And I felt like I had put my life on hold waiting for somebody to tell me it was OK to start living again. And that was a huge wake up call to me. I was like, I never want to live like this again. And we both really struggled with our mental and physical health 
we just didn't have time. We didn't have time to take care of ourselves. We didn't have time to work out. We barely had time to see each other. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this life. So I started Pinterest shopping for a new life is what I call it. Like I was desperately just like scrolling and looking for anything else. And that's when I discovered this whole little pocket of people that were living and traveling and making money while doing it, which I had never heard of before. And it was so exciting. Uh, oh, gosh, I can resonate so much with your story. But before we dive into some more questions on the digital nomad front and business front, I need to ask you, because whenever I get asked about the nomad lifestyle, a question that always comes to mind for it's funny because it wasn't really a question for me, but I feel like for everybody else, they always have the question of family. What does your family think about you doing this lifestyle? And it, is it something that's going to be more longer term for you? And what were their ideas? And did you have to kind of like help them along? And no, this is what the lifestyle really means. Or were they naturally supportive? What did that look like? That is a really good question because I do know several people have wondered about this. And we are very, very fortunate to have a family that's, for the most part, very supportive. Not all of them understand like what we're doing or why we want to do it. Especially because, like I said, we have a lot of settling type people in my family. So we have a lot of people who, even though they don't fully understand or they're like, why would you do that? Or, you know, don't, they wouldn't do it themselves. They are happy that we're happy and they're supportive of us choosing a life that lights us up and that we are content with. And a lot of them are really curious to ask a lot of questions. We know, although it's not always explicitly said, we know there's some family members who disapprove and we know that it's coming from a place of love. Like we know that it's because they really want the best for us. And those particular family members, they're more like uh, worried about security and kind of high anxiety type people. And they, they want what's best for us and what they see as the path to the most secure, safest life is the opposite of what we're doing. Um, but they're all, they're still supportive. Um, I know not everyone has that same support. Like I, I've heard stories of people who like, it's, it's a lot more conversation to kind of explain why they're doing what they're doing. But for us, we have been very lucky with that. Yeah. I think our biggest takeaway has been that when people aren't supportive, normally it's from a place of fear. It's either fear for us and the unknown, or it's fear that we're going to be successful and they're going to come face to face with the fact that they could have chosen something different and they didn't. And so coming from like, as long as we know that where they're coming from is a place of fear, it opens us up to um, being more receptive to it and like mending those relationships. I feel like our relationships have gotten so much better since we've been traveling. We've been able to communicate things a little bit more with people. But yeah, for the most part, we've been really, really lucky as far as family support goes. That's a good point though. Like the when we had that realization that people, that we are kind of like opening up people's eyes, I guess, to other options, like what we were just talking about. There's more possibilities in life than what, than sometimes we initially believe or know about. And so when we start doing this and we kind of open up people's eyes to like, oh, you know, maybe I could have, you know, chased my dream a little bit more than I did. And and I think that makes people uncomfortable when they realize that that we are chasing after things that we want and they could have, but they didn't. And people don't like that feeling. And so that that's that creates sometimes some uncomfortable emotions in our family. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. I guess I've never really conceptualized it that way, but it is so true because when you're living this lifestyle, 
you're doing what you want and what you enjoy and what you're passionate about day in and day out. At least I hope you are. At least, you know, maybe once your footing's off the ground a little bit. So yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, one thing when you were speaking that that was making me think of was, and it's it's very different in our culture coming from a Western culture. So my partner, and this is a little story that I don't think I've actually shared on the podcast, that my partner is Mexican. So he comes from a very traditional family-oriented culture. When I went there to visit his family, it was like, Five days a week, we'd see like the aunts and the uncles and the grandmas. And I was like, okay, this is a lot. I'm not used to this. <laughs> but it's interesting because my family is, it sounds very similar to what your family is, very supportive of me. I think almost everyone that I can think of in my family is supportive of like, go do whatever you want. And I don't feel any ties to have to stay in a country or in a house or in a city just because that's where my family is or that's where I was born and where I grew up. Like, I don't feel those ties that I feel like a lot of people do, which I'm very grateful for. So when we were in Mexico visiting his family, they almost kind of disapproved of the lifestyle. And it was almost a consensus of almost all of them, not all of them, not his immediate family, but more the, um, the aunts and the uncles disapproved of it because of the stability and especially in Latin culture, what we're doing of being nomadic and carving a life out for yourself that is 100% aligned with you is not something that is talks about there is not something and I, I hope it will be in the future, but it is still just more of a traditional mindset. And I think their biggest worry is what are you going to do in the future? And how are you going to have kids? And how are you going to buy a house? And mm -hmm. like, I don't want any of those things to begin with. So why do I need to stay in a place that doesn't align with what I don't want? So in saying that, I'm curious, how are you managing or I guess, yeah, I guess managing is the best word, your what your future is going to look like as nomads. If this is something that you're wanting to do long term to have that stability, what does the future look like for you? Uh, what does, you know, if you're working for yourselves, you don't have retirement funds that are traditional, what most people would think of. What does that look like for you long term in the future as digital nomads? I love this question because a lot of people, it's like the thing that holds a lot of people back is like, if you don't have a traditional job, who's paying for your uh, retirement and things. Well, and the funny thing is that in a traditional job now, you're not guaranteed retirement anymore. So even the the sense of security that we all grew up believing in, like it doesn't exist anymore. So for us, we definitely want this to be more of a long-term thing. I think eventually we would like to have, well, yeah, eventually we would like to have more of a home base where we kind of like travel from and then come back, you know, a couple months out of the year or something like that. As far as security goes, we're building our business, which is fantastic. We do have some investment accounts and stuff that kind of serve as our, I mean, eventual retirement, or maybe we'll use them to buy a house someday, or I don't know. So we do have a little nest egg that we've been building, as well as our business is, is a really big thing. Someday we, we've talked about having kids in the future and we would love to include them in this digital nomad lifestyle to teach them more about the world by experiencing the world. But for now, we don't have any specific plans for any of those things. For now, our main focus is to build up our business, add multiple streams of revenue and things like that. I mean, that was kind of one of the reasons that we, at least for me, that was initially one of my motivating factors to jumping in. And it it's still there is our kids. When we start a family, we're going to be starting our family through adoption and we want to adopt internationally. And so we really want to make 
we want to make our kids like feel connected to the countries that they come from and feel like they're still a part of that culture and not have to feel like they have to cut themselves off from that culture to join ours. And so when we have kids, we want to continue traveling and we want to take them to their country, take them to their brother or sister's country, take them all over the world and show them what other cultures are like and, and have them incorporated in part of, you know, multiple societies, multiple cultures and understand other people. And, um, and so that's why we're doing partly why we're doing what we're doing now and then why we want to continue doing it even when our family grows. I know that was a very deep question. Thank you for answering that. But I love that you mentioned that. And it's so crazy. I'm like, we are meeting up somewhere in the world. It's so wild. My partner and I, if we do ever have kids in the future, adoption, 100%. I've always said that. I lived in China for four years. He lived there for eight. So we would love to adopt from somewhere in the world, um, maybe Asia, and world school them. I actually just had a world schooling expert on the podcast, and it was so interesting to really dive into what that truly means deeper. But I love that you think similar to I do. I think I, I love not just that, but the traditional way of thinking is more and more going out the window, especially when you live this lifestyle. But even if you are living in your home country and it's a Western country or wherever it might be in the world, there are other ways to think. It's not just the traditional nine to five, buy a house. That is kind of no longer the American dream because you can't afford it. I mean, that's one right. piece of the puzzle. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, there's many pieces to that puzzle. But um, yeah, so I love that you mentioned that. That's so interesting. So now I'd love to shift to the business aspect of things and hear how you grew your business and what that looks like. And, you know, there's a lot of people listening who are wanting to or are starting something in the online space. And there's many different things to do on the online space, as we mm -hmm. all know. But what did that journey look like for the both of you? And especially, I'm really curious, as a couple working together as well, what are the dynamics of that? I love talking about this. This is probably one of my favorite things to touch on because like I said, when we started, we thought there were maybe two or three options. And I know that's how a lot of other people feel. They'll hear other people talk about things that have worked for them. They'll hear about affiliate marketing. They'll hear about um, different investment programs or, you know, you have to be some code writing tech guru or something. I've been collecting this list over the past year or so, and it continues growing almost every single day. A list of businesses that are run by people that we've met, like super unique, unheard of businesses. Or at least things that aren't originally like what comes to mind when you think of working online. Like we've met people who they're book binders and they'll have people send them, mail them their books and they'll book bind or they run a course and they teach people how to book bind. We've met people who are refrigeration. Uh, what, what was it? A refrigeration? I think coach is what they call it. Refrigeration the... coach. Like they teach people about refrigeration systems. Yeah. Or uh, we've met professional online poker players. We've met jump rope instructors and they make their full-time income through these I guess, unconventional ways, but I think it's so cool. I believe, honestly, that there's as many ways to make money online as there are unique people in the world. So there's something for everybody. And it's just a matter of figuring out what works for you, what you enjoy doing, and then finding a way to make money from it um, and then growing from there. So I forgot where I was going with this, but I don't know, but you were going <laughs> for us, for our business journey, like we didn't have a lot of skills that we knew about. And so it definitely looked a lot like, okay, like this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to take a course and we're going to learn how to do it. And so we started out with a general virtual assistant, which was a fantastic, like basic thing to start with. We learned social media marketing. We learned email marketing. We learned um, like 
a little bit of graphic design and things like that. And then we went out and we just networked. I just cannot stress the the power of networking enough when it comes to growing a business, especially online, because there are so many online businesses that you're competing against. The more that you can show up as a human and show up as just yourself and be friendly, the better and the faster your business is going to grow. So we did a lot of referrals, a lot of testimonials, portfolio building, a lot of pitching um, to different businesses, and we grew our virtual assistant business to pretty good size. And as a couple, that was really hard for us because we ended up having different clients and doing different things, and we really wanted to build a business together. And so that was a really pivotal or a big deciding factor, I guess, of deciding to niche down into web design. When we went into web design, we kept some of our virtual assistant clients so that we would keep that that continual revenue. And then we went and we took a course and we just learned. We learned all about logo design and branding and graphic design and the strategy behind a website. And we just fell in love with it. And so then we built our web design business again off of referrals and off of networking was probably the key there. Um, We did a lot more social media and marketing as well with our web design, but most of it came from Facebook and came from people we already knew and referrals and our past um, virtual assistant clients and things like that. And then we did that for a while and we really, really, really love web design. But then we started to notice that as we were traveling the world, as we were building a business, it was giving permission to people around us to start doing the same thing. And so we had several people come to us and ask us to help them launch their businesses and figure out how they can start to make money as well and how they could travel around. And so we helped, I don't know what, four or five different people launch their businesses. And we totally just fell in love with the process. And we're like, man, we loved web design, but this is a whole new level. Like this was so exciting to us. And so just recently within the last six months, we decided that coaching, like this is our thing that we're going to throw everything into Oh, that's awesome. I, first of all, Austin, I love that you have your list. And I think that's so cool. That's so fun because you're right. In the online space, we hear about I don't, maybe like the top 10 main things. And we all know what those things are that you can mm-hmm. do in the online space. And it's pretty saturated. You have to figure out how to get clients and you have to figure out how to even do it, do it successfully. You know, so I think that's I remember I heard it was a while back. I heard somebody was a professional doodler and taught people to doodle. That's somehow a skill that people want. And they had a course and, you know, they were teaching people how to do that. And it's yeah. so wild because we think so inside the box sometimes. But there are infinite things to do and people wanting to learn skills from literally every walk of life. I wanted to mention that, first of all. And now I think that, Monica, what you are saying was very interesting And I'm curious because as digital nomads for us in terms of business, basically everything is done online. Of course, if we're in great places like Medellin, it's a lot easier to network with some other nomads and like minds, but that's not always the case. So what are some tips that both of you would give for networking specifically as digital nomads, which can be a lot more difficult when you're not part of a town or a community in the traditional sense. I was definitely always really jealous. I have a really good web design friend who is really community based and her business, it just seemed easier to network and to like build her business with her specific location. But I think that each place that you're in, you have the opportunity to network. And I think digital nomads especially are very good at staying in touch online which is like a superpower. I'm pretty convinced that like to be able to maintain relationships online is so impressive. 
But then also just like realizing that every walk of life you've been in, you've made connections. And sometimes all it is is restarting up some conversations. So we've had a lot of clients from my hometown where I grew up. And I mean, I haven't been there in like, I don't know, 10 years other than just a quick visit. But like I still have a lot of really solid connections who are big supporters of our business. And they're the ones who are always there commenting and liking our posts and and providing us with referrals and clients and things. like. And then we have some good connections from college. And sometimes all it is 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 sending a message and, and shooting it out and be like, hey, like it's been a while. How's it going? And building that network that you've already built. And then as you move around, making sure that you are putting yourself out there, getting into communities. Um, another really big thing for us in business has been online communities. Things like we've done group coaching before where we've been put into a really good community. Facebook groups, we love Facebook groups. Facebook groups are the best place to like connect with people. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things when it comes to networking is like honestly just just being a friend. You don't always have to have an agenda when it comes to networking. I know like when we when we kind of start conversations about networking, it's because it's like, okay, how do we grow our business? How do we get in touch with more people? But if you're if you just have a mindset of just making a connection, being a friend, adding some value to their life, and then if something comes from it, like that's awesome. If mm -hmm. not, that can still be awesome, you know, and you, you still have that friend that you've made. You still have a new person that you can connect with. And then, like Monica said, like maybe a couple of years down the road, um, because you have this new friendship, they bring up something that is a good opportunity for you that you wouldn't have had if you didn't have that connection to that person. So I think just, I guess, making it more casual than a lot of people approach it. Yeah, I think just along the same lines, if you can just champion other people's businesses and champion what they're doing, they're going to want to return the favor. And so it really helps both businesses grow. I need to know what were each of you individually, what were your biggest struggles when you started this lifestyle, whether that be entrepreneurship struggles or nomad life struggles or even, you know, we didn't really touch on this, but even um, like traveling as a couple, you know, I do it with my partner as well. And it can be, you know, it's amazing. And we love this lifestyle together, but you are often with that person, at least him and I are 24 7, mm -hmm. 25 7, let's say. <laughs> it's a lot. And so we really had to figure out what the boundaries were between us. So actually, you know, I retract that question. I want to ask you about <laughs> a couple travel first, and then we're going to go into that question okay. because I think this is, this is too interesting to not ask what your take and what your experience has been like together mm -hmm. as a couple traveling the world. We might not be the best people to ask because we just genuinely love being with each other like all the time. Like we are with each other, like you said, 25 seven, but we love it. And that sounds really cheesy and like dumb. Like, OK, sure. Yeah, you love being together. But honestly, I took like a five day trip this summer just myself. And I literally like day three, I was like, I just need to go back. I just need Austin, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. But. Um, there has been some learning with uh, like we have different energy levels sometimes. Monica's typically a person who needs a lot more sleep than I do. Um, and so trying to figure out like, it's okay for her to go to bed and me to stay up, you know, things like that. Or, you know, if one of us is in the zone and really wanting to get some work done and the others and kind of a goofier, you know, pay attention to me kind of mood, trying to figure out that. I think it just takes time to figure out each other's flows and each other's energy. Mm -hmm. And then I think a big part of it is just vocalizing what you want and what you need. It's like, Monica, like, I just really need some one-on-one -on -one time with you. Like, I know you're really busy, but can we like spend five minutes playing a quick game and then you can get back to it? Or 
um, you know what, Monica, I really know that you want to spend some time, but can you give me 10 minutes, 15 minutes to wrap up this comment, wrap up this project, and then we can go do something. And just being really vocal and honest about where you're at and what you need. And I think that's been really helpful. Yeah, I would say our biggest learning curve is that I I could spend 24-7 with somebody. Like, I do not need to be alone, except for maybe to poop and to shower. You know, like, I do not need to be alone ever. And Austin needs a lot more alone time. So that's kind of been like a work in progress. Like, okay, like, where can we carve out alone time to still be an individual? How can I learn to be alone and learn that that's okay? And how can I learn to enjoy spending time with myself? And how can I give Austin space to explore new hobbies or or to go just spend some time recharging by himself? That's been our biggest learning curve is figuring out how just in the day-to-day to carve out time to be an individual still and not have to try to sync up every single minute like I don't know. I feel like when we first started, we were like, okay, like we're going to go to bed now and now we're going to wake up together and then we're going to go to the gym together. And then we're in, then it kind of got old. And so now we're are getting to a point where it's like, okay, like I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. You can do whatever you want. You know, I totally feel that. And I feel like my partner and I went through the exact same. It is something that we're always navigating. But one thing that always comes up for me was we both like I'm recording podcasts a lot. He is an influencer. So he's recording content a lot. We both need to be vocal and talking to other people. But when we first started, a lot of the time we would have like a studio or a one bedroom. So we realized that we needed a big enough space and that this was kind of like our our nomad wish list when we were staying somewhere, which we'll usually get an Airbnb for a few weeks to a month. It needs to be either a room with a door or a two bedroom or a three bedroom or like something that is functional for us because we both need to be able to not be in each other's space when we're working. So for us, that was something and it took time to realize that as well. Um, But we kind of have realized I think that's something that really and I'm sure you can attest to this comes with time and with being with that person for a while, figuring out how to operate best and how you can sometimes give each other some space to work or just be your own person sometimes. And that's another thing that I just love about this lifestyle, though, is every place we go, we learn something new about ourselves individually and as a couple. And we just go like every time we leave a place, we just understand ourselves more and then we can find a more perfect place next. I want to ask you some of the biggest or the one biggest struggle that each of you face, whether it be entrepreneurship, business, nomad life, travel, whatever that may be, what's something that comes to mind and how did you mitigate that? So I don't think I would have ever lived like this if it weren't for Monica. Not saying that I'm not happy with it, obviously, but it's not something that was ever on my radar. I wasn't your typical, I wasn't the person who was like, okay, I'm so uncomfortable with where I'm at. What else is there out for? Like, I probably just would have chugged along with the normal life path that we were talking about and I probably would have been content with it. And so when we first started traveling more and we started our business, I w- it was really exciting, but I was also very nervous about our finances. That was probably the hardest part initially for me. And so I was, I was worried about, you know, job security and I was worried about having, you know, making sure we have savings and making sure we have enough for all these things. And I think one of the biggest like clicks realizations for me, I think there'd maybe been two. One is like, what does true job security really mean? And it's, it's changed as I've seen family members and friends who have lost their jobs. That was a secure job, you know, um, jobs that they were expecting to have for the next decade, the next two decades. And out of the blue, something changes, the economy shifts or something, they get a new boss and they're downsizing or whatever, and they lose their job. And that wasn't in the plan. That wasn't expected. And so 
recognizing that running my business gives me the flexibility to shift as needed, whether that means, you know, something's happening in the economy, maybe what we're doing, nobody's interested anymore. So we need to find some new product or service that people want. Maybe it's something that I don't want to do anymore so we can shift our business to do something new, but it puts me in the driver's seat and I can choose where we go. So I don't have to worry about getting fired. Um, I don't think Monica would ever fire me. (laughs) I hope not. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) So I don't ever have to worry about that. And then the other one, this one might sound a little silly too, but how do I say it? So I was, we had a, a, a scare a little bit ago where Monica ended up in the ER. We had a big bill that we had to pay. Um, and in the thick of it, I got, I was really emotional. I'm like, you know what? We just need to go, you know, f- get some additional you know, part-time jobs and help pay off this bill that we have and make sure our, all of our expenses are covered. And in that moment, I realized like anything, any job that I get, that's not just really super boring, mundane, plug and chug type of jobs is going to require my mental energy. It's going to require my emotional energy. It's going to require a lot of input on my end. So if I would put that into another job, why not just put that into the business that we've already been working so hard on and grow it even more? Why not just, you know, add to that, add to what we already have, because it's going to take my time, my energy and my focus anyway. I'm going to do that because that's what we love to do. And that's what I'm passionate about. So, so there's been a lot of shifts for me from when we started to being really insecure, really scared about money. And now I feel like I've come to this place that I'm a lot more I'm in a better relationship with our finances. I'm in a better relationship with how I perceive our business. What are some tools that you use to really help you on that money mindset journey? Get a wife like Monica. <laughs> Good advice. Everyone go do that. <laughs> Everyone go get yourself a Monica. I mean, Well, I mean, to that point, I think a big part of it is being surrounded by the right people. Um, for me, it was Monica and primarily Monica. There's been a couple other people, but I think finding people who can encourage you people who can believe in you when you don't believe in yourself, people who will provide that guidance when you're unsure about what to do, when you're worried about the future, you can have someone in your life that grants you maybe some perspective or some uplifting thoughts or some encouragement. So that's, I mean, that was my, that was Monica for me. And I think if you find that person in your life, then that would be really helpful. I would say for me in business, it's been really stepping into the role of business owner. I feel like business is one of those things in life where it shows you exactly what you need to improve in yourself so that you can move forward in your business. And I always can compare it to like the game of whack-a-mole. I'm like having trouble with my money mindset. So I work on that and I work really hard and then it's gone. I'm like, great. And then it pops up like some imposter syndrome pops up somewhere else. And so for me, like just really stepping into that role of like, I am a business owner. I can own that. I can talk to people about it. I can show up on social media about it. If people want to listen, great. If they're annoyed, they'll unfollow me. And that's not a big deal. And just like letting that not be a big deal. Thank you for sharing. It's a very interesting insight to hear from both of you. Is there anything that you feel is important to include in this conversation that we haven't touched on? There's no one size fits all. I know we're talking to people who are travelers, people who want to live nomadically, maybe people who are wanting to start their own online business or work online. But if that's you, if that's not you, like find what does work for you. Try on different things. Like nothing is set in stone either. Like right now we're business coaches, but that's not always going to be the case. And we have plans for things that we're going to do later down the road. And it's always evolving. So like try on something. If you don't like it, take it off. Try on something different and find what works best for you. 
such great insight. So where can people find you in the online space? So we're always on Instagram. It's just at Austin and Monica. Pretty much if you search Austin and Monica anywhere, you can find our website, austinandmonica.com. You can find us on Facebook, Austin and Monica. Find us on LinkedIn, I think. We're not really there. Though. Don't go to LinkedIn. No, go to don't Instagram. Look for us there. <laughs> You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode resonated with you, I would appreciate if you share this podcast on your socials. And of course, be sure to tag me. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me on this global citizen journey, and I'll see you in the next episode.